Well, it is good to be back home. Amen. It is a joy to be away, but it is always a great gift and a blessing to be back home. And so we are excited to be back. We have it's been a, it's been exciting to worship um, two weeks ago this this very day um, on a Sunday there at Oto Baptist in Oklahoma with uh, our team and Jimmy and Penny and the church there. And then last Sunday, our, our family was able to gather with Redeemer Church in Florida. And so it's an honor and privilege just to travel across our country and to gather with other brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping our one Lord, right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so we were excited, but we are um, exuberant to be back home and to see your faces and to worship with you and to minister to this community. And so it is good to be back home and uh, super thankful uh, just for our time in Oklahoma. I, w- I want to encourage you. I-, I know it's a year away, but I, I would just begin to plant a seed now of encouragement for you to pray of that God might call you to go with us next year to Oklahoma. Um, I know we're soon going to be coming and sharing. You'll be hearing more about that, but just uh, the ministry there, uh, what God's doing. Thankful for Miss Karen and her labor there in that ministry um, and just to be a part of that team. And Mark is camp pastor that week and hear him preach the gospel and what a week it was. And um, thankful to Brother Todd and encouraged of Paul's reminder in the New Testament as he constantly speaks to the church he says elders plural um, because there's a reminder that it's a danger I think for uh, for one man to to lead the show and I think the reminder is um, the church needs elders plural uh, men of God called to help feed the flock to shepherd the flock and uh, thankful and encouraged um, to, to, to check on people in the midst of much heartache this week in our church body and for them to let me know of how faithful Brother Todd has been. And so I want to say thank you, brother, uh, for your service there to our church family and your leadership. Um, and so thankful. This morning we are going to be, um, in some sense, backtracking back into Matthew a little bit. Because I have to share with you a message that has absolutely gripped my heart. Um, we cover this text in March. And man, it, it's been gripping my heart. I've shared some bits and pieces with our Wednesday night crew. Um, I shared bits and pieces um, there three or four mornings in Oklahoma, and we, the whole cha- the camp would gather together early in the morning, um, and so I got a chance to share bits and pieces, but I have not had the opportunity to share this message in its fullness, and I am excited to do that. Um, I'm compelled by my youngest son who has been praying and encouraging for a long sermon. I don't think he understands what that means, but he has been talking about a long sermon, and so... Um, but no, seriously, I, I'm excited to be back today to share with you what has been on my heart and has been pressing against it for um, since March, really, this message today. And the title is simply this, For the Sake of the Name. Names are important. Um, if you think about names, right, you think about names and culture, man, there's some people that are so famous, they are literally known by one name, right? If I said Obama, you would know who that was. If I said LeBron, you would know who that was. Some of you, if I said Elvis, you would know who that was. If some of you hear the name Beethoven, you recognize immediately who that is. Why? Some people are just so famous, they are literally known for one name. Names are important, right? I mean, as you, the reality is you're here, you're, you've got a name, and likelihood is you've got a name, just kind of like Emily and I, we wrestled with names. There, there was names that we considered, names of Right? Names that were family names that we just thought were important and we need to consider those when we began to think about a child's name. There were biblical names that we just thought, man, there are some things 
uh, biblically some truths and those people that we hope and pray to see in our children. And, and then there were just other names that we just really liked, man. Like that name just stood out. And so the reality is, I don't know how your name came about, but your name is significant. It had meaning or importance uh, to your family, to your parents and maybe grandparents. I wonder today, though, as we think about names, if there was a name I could mention that would get your attention immediately. Like if I said the name of your mom or your dad or maybe the name of a grandparent, maybe the name of a parent or maybe a teacher way back into your grade school, maybe the name of a coach, maybe the name of someone, a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, someone in your past, if I said their name today and shared with you a truth that they had left for you, I bet when I, you heard that name, your ears would go up and you're like, whoa, who did he just say? Because there's some names that just not only the name of the person is the relationship with that person, right? The character of that person, what you saw in their life time and time again, how they poured into you, the life that they live had an impact. And so names are significant. And the reality is there's just some names that have great influence over our lives. And I think that brings us to this this tension in the text today to ask this question how much influence does the name of jesus have on your life maybe it might in other words might we say this what in your life right now are you considering of more worth or more value than the name of jesus Is there anything right now in your life that you would consider too costly to give up for God and His kingdom? We're wrestling today with this idea for the sake of the name. We're going to walk through some different truths that that result here in Matthew 19. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to turn there. Matthew chapter 19. We're going to wrestle with verse 29 and then kind of jump out from there. See, maybe just three primary truths that kind of elevate from the biblical text about the sake of the name. And as you make your way there, I think the first truth that comes to us is this. We are called to sacrifice for the sake of the name. We are called to sacrifice for the sake of the name. It's in Matthew 19. And as you make your way there, early in Matthew 19, there's this man we know as the rich young what? Ruler. Yeah, and he comes to Jesus asking a question. What must I do to have an eternal life? And Jesus says, well, hey, you know the commandments. And he says, well, I've kept all the commandments. And then Jesus says, well, actually, brother, there's one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And it says that the man went away sad because he had what? Much wealth, great wealth. And it's immediately following that, later in Matthew 19, that verse 27 comes about. And Peter asks this question. Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Peter says, listen, Jesus, we are not like the rich young ruler, right? We have left everything to follow you. What then will we have? And Jesus responds to him in verse 28 and talks to him about how the fact that the 12 who have followed him will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But then he comes to verse 29 that I want to just wrestle with today. This passage that has been just, man, in my heart and mind, resonating day after day since I read it back in March as we prepare for that sermon. Listen to Jesus' statement. Again, Jesus, Peter's question is, we've left everything and followed you. What then will it be for us? And Jesus says this in response. Everyone 
who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for why church my namesake says that they will inherit a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. It's interesting, right, that Jesus gives seven things. Why? Because seven is the number of what? Completion, right? This You might say, well, why did he leave that out? Jesus was giving you, as he lists these seven things, he's giving you an, a, a sense of completion of what are things that are most valuable, that are most costly, that will be the hardest to give up. And he says, I, I know what's going to be most difficult to give up. It's going to be most difficult to leave your homes, to leave your family, your brothers, your sisters, to leave mom and dad, to leave maybe even children, to leave your lands, your farms, your vineyards, everything that you've inherited that's been yours and your family, to leave all of that behind. Why? Why does Jesus, like I think maybe it's an encouragement to Peter, but maybe there's a gentle rebuke to Peter. Right, Lord, we left everything to follow you. Maybe there's this, this reminder because Peter's like, well, what's in it for us? And maybe Jesus is just gently reminding Peter and you and I, why should we leave everything? Jesus says, it's for my name's sake. It's for the sake of the name. That's why we would leave everything behind. It was amazing Right, as I knew that I was coming to this text, Lord willing, if I would be here on July 4th, and it had been stirring in my heart, I knew part of these things I would share with the camp. And the very first night, as we meet with Jimmy and Penny, and he shares his testimony. Guess what he anchors around as he shares with us his story? Verse 29. It was this awesome moment as we sat at Crossview Chapel there with the, with the crosses in the background, Jimmy sharing his testimony, and hear him talking about the call to leave Brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children and lands and homes. Why? Because this man has done it. We didn't have to wonder, like, what might that look like? No, we know a brother from Russellville, Kentucky, who has a farm and a family and grandchildren and children and all of that there. A community. And he and his bride have left it all to go out to Oklahoma to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples. Why? For the sake of the name. It was worth it to leave it all behind for the sake of the name. What is the name? Well, the name, again, is the revelation of oneself, right? I mean, again, if I said to you, dad or mom or mama or papa or granddaddy or grandma or that name of that aunt or uncle, like it, it wouldn't just be the name dad or mom or right? I mean, when you walk by like caskets and you, you see oftentimes the ribbon there and those names, those names hold great value to the people standing there. When they see that ribbon and that name on there, there is significance greatly for who that person is and what they represent to their life. So it is with the name of God. God's name represents his praise and his glory. In fact, the Old Testament makes that very clear. Isaiah chapter 48 verses 9 and 11 Listen to how God's name is connected to his praise and his glory. Look what he says, verse 9 of Isaiah 48. He says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger for the sake of my what, church? My praise. I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. See, he connects his name to his praise. Then look what he does just two verses later, verse 11 of Isaiah 48. Look what he says. For my own sake, my, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profane. Look what he says here again now. 
my glory I will not give to another. So clearly, his praise and his glory are synonymous. They're connected to his name. So when we think about God's name today, as you wrestle with this call of Jesus to sacrifice for the sake of the name, I want you to realize it's the sake of his praise. It's the sake of his glory. It's the sake of his worship. Right? I mean, it's, and listen, that's why Peter, that's why the 12, that's why any of us might today even contemplate and consider leaving Greensburg KY. Might there be a Jimmy or Penny here who instead of looking toward riding out toward retirement and what we have set before us, begin to look amongst the nations and say, God, how might you use me and my family? Consider the cost of that. Missing your grandchildren play. Leaving your farm and your home. Leaving your community. Leaving this church. Can you imagine that for a moment? Leaving all of that behind to go. Why? For the sake of the name. That's what Jesus is responding to Peter to say. Do not forget why you would leave. It's for my glory. It's for my praise. It's for my name. It's because of who I am. And it's not just his name in Greensburg or Jerusalem. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 5. He speaks about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in verse 4. And he says in verse 5 of Romans 1, Through whom, through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for, look what he says, for what church? The sake of his name among what? All the nations. It's his name amongst the nations. Right? Not just here in Greensburg. But God's name amongst all people everywhere. That the hope of Revelation 5, that we might be in some way a small part of that. That around the throne there are people from every nation and tribe and tongue and language worshiping the King. And that you and I in some small way might be a part of bringing that to fulfillment. That's what Paul says. Obedience of faith for the sake of His name Amongst all the nations. I want to ask just gently this morning. Would you begin to be willing to start praying. God how might you use me and my family. To make your name known amongst the nations. It might just be to be a prayer warrior. And to lift up right. And we have like Mission Mosaic and different things. And know some folks here in the church would love to partner with you. To pray intentionally. It might be to give, right, as you think right now already, right? You're thinking, how might I give intentionally to Tucky Changers that's coming up here in a few weeks? How might you give intentionally to Operation Christmas Child? How might you intentionally give to Oklahoma? How might you intentionally give to another international mission trip? How might you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to help us go amongst the nations? I want to encourage you. But for some of you, it's not only about praying and giving. You also have to wrestle with God, are you calling me to go? Maybe it's for a week. Maybe it's for two weeks. I don't know how God will answer that. Something Emily and I have been praying hard. God, we want to serve you as a family. She had found herself in Haiti several times. And I'd been on other continents. And we just like, God, we want to go together as a couple. But even as a family. And God would open the door to Oklahoma. We're like, God, thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. Even now we're wrestling saying, God, what was next? How might we continue to serve as a couple, as a family, to do this together? It was the great Southern South African pastor of yesteryear, Andrew Murray. 
who wrote in his book, The Key to the Missionary Problem. And he writes this. As we seek to find out why, with such millions of Christians, the real army of God that is fighting the host of darkness is so small, the only answer is lack of heart. The enthusiasm of the kingdom is missing, and that is because there is so little enthusiasm for the king. What is your enthusiasm, beloved, for the sake of the name? Does it stir your heart? Does it move you to sacrifice? Does it move you to be a part of a Wednesday night ministry or to help serve on a Sunday morning? To be a part on Sunday nights of going and taking meals and other ways of ministering behind the scenes? Is it compelling your heart, this enthusiasm for the King, the sake of His name amongst this community and ultimately amongst the nations? I want to compel you as you consider this morning Paul saying for the sake of his name amongst all the nations. I want to just show you just a couple of visuals really quickly just to remind you of the progress that the church, Christ church, is trying to make amongst the nations. As you look at this map, right, green represents people groups that have been reached. All right, these are people groups. So you've got about 12,000 people groups on the face of the earth representing about 7.89 billion people. But if you notice the map, right, if, if you notice where we live here, what you see is a lot of green. But if you begin to journey further south, what you begin to look at on this map here is, is this area of orange and red. The orange represents this unreached or least reached people. And that considers an orange dot represents a people group where less than 2% of the population is Christian. If you see a red dot, that's not only unreached people, those are considered unengaged people in the sense that there is no one there to tell them about the name of Christ. And here's what I want to challenge and ask us by faith through grace. If you would begin to pray, God, might you send me? Might God you send my children? God, might you send my grandchildren? Brother Todd and I have been praying for the last 18 months or so, more intentionally, that God would raise up missionaries from this very church to go to the nations. And I want you to begin praying, even if you think right now, hey, I'm too old, it might not be me, but it might be your children or grandchildren, and it might be very hard for them to leave. Father or mother or grandmother or grandfather or aunt or uncle, And I want to just plant this seed because it could be 10 years or 20 years down the road. I want to plant this seed today so that you might begin wrestling for the name sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of his name, that those dots represent people that this very day will die and go to hell. The call, beloved, is for us to sacrifice to sacrifice for the sake of the name, just as this day, this 4th of July, we here celebrate as Americans those who have sacrificed that we might be free. There's very few places upon this world globe that you could travel however many hundreds of miles, almost a thousand miles that way, and then however many hundreds, almost a thousand of miles that way to, to different places, and that you could still worship the one true king, not in free, fear that we might be killed or attacked. Beloved, listen, the nation in which you live in is a blessed land. You have a great opportunity. 
I want to ask, are we leveraging that for the sake of the gospel? And I want to say thank you. Because I know there are men and women in this room who have served in our armed forces to defend that very freedom. I know that there are women and men in this room who you have seen your spouse or your brother or your sister or your child or your grandchild, and they have gone to other shores to defend that freedom. I want to say thank you. We ought to celebrate and be excited that we live in a land where people have given even their own lives. They sacrifice. But beloved, I'm calling you to a greater sacrifice today. A sacrifice for the kingdom of God. For the sake of His name. So that's the first truth that resonates out of Matthew 19. The second is this. Not only are we called to sacrifice for the sake of the name. The Bible says that we are called to suffer for the sake of the name. We are called to suffer for the sake of the name. Jesus, throughout Matthew, we've seen it in, in a while back in Matthew 10. Lord willing, if we come to Matthew 24 here in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear more about it. But listen to what Jesus says. He's very clear. Verse 22 of Matthew 10. And you will be hated by all for what reason, church? What's it say here in verse 22? For my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Look what he says in Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all who? All nations for. What's the reason why? My name's sake. I'm thankful to live in America. But beloved, I want you and I to be clear. All nations does include the one you live in. And what we may have thought was impossible 20 years or 10 years ago, I think if we opened our eyes and looked, we realized the hatred is coming for those who will hold fast to these scriptures and the ones of us who are followers of the way. Let us brace ourselves. Let us know why we would suffer. And Jesus says, it is because of my namesake. Because I'm the only one that can free men and women, boys and girls, from eternal death. I'm the only one that can rescue people from their sins. I want you to know that it will be costly. You will be hated. You may lose your jobs. You may be ostracized by your family, the community. Social media may attack you. I want you to be ready. But if you hold fast to my name, it's coming. It was the great reformer Martin Luther in the 1500s who said these words. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Beloved, we have the treasured hope of eternal life. It is worth everything. Let us joyfully follow our Savior to give, to suffer, what it may cost us, because we realize the eternal weight, it is worth it. Why? Because the name of Jesus Christ represents us. We said, if the Son has set you free, what? You're free indeed. It's freedom. Eternal freedom. Freedom from bondage of sin. Freedom from the fear of death. This is the victory of Christ in us. Paul, as we read this morning in our Sunday schools, we studied with our kiddos. Paul's life was one of suffering. In fact, before Paul is even chosen and called by God to be his minister, his representative, listen to as God speaks, as Christ speaks here to Ananias in Acts chapter 9. 
Listen to what he says to him specifically in verse 16 of Acts chapter 9 because Ananias does not want to go and pray for this man who has been blinded on the Damascus road because he knows Paul is dangerous. Paul is putting Christians, men and women in prison. He was there giving approval when they were stoning Stephen to death. They laid their clothes at his feet. Paul was giving approval. He's terrified to go. This man is dangerous. And listen to Jesus' words back to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must, what church, suffer. And what is the reason why? For the sake of my name. Paul was called to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I know we haven't seen much of it here in America, but beloved, throughout church history, the normal Christian experience is one of suffering. It's been said by historians that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Where the church is growing, it is suffering. If we looked amongst the nations, what you might find flourishing amongst that map of orange and red dots is where the gospel is and there is much intensity. There is great love for Christ. Paul's life was one that was going to begin with suffering as a follower of Christ. It was going to be filled with suffering. And listen to Paul as he finishes the race. We've been wrestling with that again, that topic in Sunday school. Listen to what Paul says in Acts 21. Acts 21 is as Paul is preparing to head on, right? Trials are coming. The church is warning him. A prophet is taking his belt off and bound his hands and said, so the Lord says that just this belt, this man's belt, he will be taken and bound. And, and Paul is there. The church is crying. It's their beloved Paul. It's their spiritual father. Please, Paul. No. Listen to Paul's answer in Acts chapter 21, verse 13. Paul says, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem for. What's the reason, church? The name of the Lord Jesus. Paul knew that he was going to suffer imprisonment, potentially even death. How could anyone be willing to experience that? Paul says it is because of this name, the sweetest name I know. We sing it. He feels my ever longing, keeps me singing as I go. This Jesus Christ, this beloved Savior, it is not merely just a name on the wall. It is a name written upon our hearts, church. Paul knows that he's going to suffer for the name of Jesus, but he is ready and willing. All I can say is, will I be ready on that day? I do not know, but I pray today for grace upon grace upon grace that God would give me courage. And I pray the same for you. As the 1800s approached, right, there was an intensity to reach the nations, right? This clarity of, God, we've got to take the gospel outside the walls of the church. We've got to reach the nations. And so that began to happen. And, and one of the places you saw there on the map, it's, it's really red even today. It's places there in Asia and China. There's very little gospel presence. There was a man by the name of Hudson Taylor who in the 1800s rose up there in England. And he said, God's not called us just to reach the shores of China and Asia. God has called us to go what he called inland. And this inland China mission was born. 
Hudson Taylor, though, and going, you would think, man, God would bless this man. But what he experienced was the death of many of his children. His wife at the age of 33 will die. Hudson Taylor knew that there was a call to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. But what was breaking his heart as he writes back in one of his letters is these words to the church back in England. Can all the Christians in England sit still with folded arms while these multitudes in China are perishing? Perishing for lack of knowledge. A knowledge which England so richly possesses. Church, 300 years later, I think we need to ask the question. As we look to the nations and they're perishing. Are they perishing for the lack of the knowledge of the saving faith of Jesus Christ? A knowledge which Green Surge Baptist so richly possesses. Ezekiel was warned about the watchman on the wall to be a warning to tell the people that there was judgment coming, that there was hope of salvation in God alone. But if the watchmen were unfaithful, he said to the watchman, the blood will be upon your hands. Church, today, I think we must hear this gospel calling us to sacrifice and suffer for the sake of the name. And ask us, are we sitting behind these walls with our arms folded while the nations are perishing eternally? Guys, they're going to hell. Does that stir your heart this hour? That many of them have not even met a Christian. Listen, I feel the tension of it because the Lord presses back upon me. Blake, are you willing? And then he presses on me harder because he says, are you going to be okay when I call your children to go? I was like, no, not my babies. I'm, I'm telling you, this is internal. I'm just wrestling with it. And he says, Blake, what about the sake of my name? They're perishing eternally. And I just kill my knees and say, God, give me more faith. Give my children more faith. Give the flock at GBC more faith. That we might go, guys, they're going to hell, suffering eternally. And we have the hope of the gospel. We have the cure. Oh, God, would you raise up some amongst this number to go? I pray you will. Taylor wasn't finished. He wrote in another letter this warning. To all of us, this call to suffer, to sacrifice for the sake of the name. Listen to what he writes. Again, Hudson Taylor, the missionary inland China in the 1800s. China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, easy, loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China, and souls first and foremost in everything and at every time. Even life itself must be secondary. Taylor also said that the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. We may know the Great Commission, but beloved, I must ask your soul and my soul, are we living it? Again, the call to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am what? 
I'm with you always. That is our strength to go. It is not we go in our own strength. Christ, our Savior, will always be with us. Again, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. Hudson Taylor said it is a command to be obeyed. Might we ask today, how is this church obeying the Great Commission? Might we ponder for a moment, you personally, how are you obeying the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations? Might you wrestle with how is your family obeying the Great Commission? Church, it's not a question of if God is calling us to share the gospel and to suffer His name, but simply where. Where is God calling you to go? For some of you, it will be a classroom that will start meeting again in about a month. For some of you, it's on your job site as God sends you people, as you, whether it's in some field of medicine, maybe it's as you meet with other farmers and other pe- folks helping with their crops. Maybe it's meeting on ball fields and places. I don't know where God is going to send you, but I am confident that He is going to put you in places to share this gospel. And it may bring suffering, but I want you and I to be convinced it is worth it for the name of Jesus Christ. The glory of His name for all eternity. So why? Why would anyone consider sacrificing? Why would anybody consider suffering for the sake of the name? And I think it comes to this heartbeat of truth. There's a picture of Hudson Taylor. That we are called to suffer for the sake of the name. That's messed it up there. Yeah. Well, the truth is we should receive salvation for the sake of the name. That's why. Why is anyone going to suffer? Why is anyone going to sacrifice? It's because we receive salvation for the sake of the name. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 writes this truth. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. For, what's the reason? His name's sake. Did you hear that? Why does John say to you, here's the reason why your sins have been forgiven? John says the reason why is it is the sake of his name. What does that mean? It means that it glorifies God to accept sinners like you and me, to welcome us into his presence. That when we come saying, there is no other way I can make it to heaven, I'll never be good enough. I'll never turn over my life enough. I'll never be able to do enough good works. I can never go on enough of those missions. I can never give enough. I'll never read this Bible enough. I'll never share the gospel enough. The only reason why my sins are forgiven is the glory of God. It's His glory that He would love a sinner like like Jesse. As we sing, a sinner condemned unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's what, church? Love for me. It's the glory of God to forgive us of our sins, to show His great love and His patience, His kindness toward us, that you and I might know the truth as the Scriptures declare that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that He's a friend of someone like me. I think to better understand this truth about why our sins are forgiven for the sake of His name, I think the psalmist in Psalm 25 gives us some further clarity. Just one verse there. Verse 11 of Psalm 25. Listen to what he says. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my 
guilt, for it is great. Why is God willing to pardon our guilt? Even this great guilt. What's the reason why? What's the psalmist say? What's the reason? For your name's sake. Do you see it? It's all throughout Scripture. As I begin to just dive into this truth of Matthew 19 to leave sister and brothers and houses and farms and lands and mothers and fathers and children. The reason why anyone would do this, he says, is for the sake of the name. As I began to wrestle with this, I began to see it everywhere. It's from Genesis to Revelation. The sake of the name. The sake of the name. The sake of the name. It just began. It's just gripping my heart. Listen to this. To hope, though. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. For it is what, church? Great. Is that not phenomenal news? That my sin and your sin is not small. It is great. But the good news is we have a greater God. We hear Paul, don't we, in the background, echoing this truth. Where sin abounds, what church? Grace abounds all the more. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is His name. God is willing to pardon great sin. Might we ask this question, what does this word pardon even indicate? It indicates that someone is being released from the legal consequences of their actions. Well, what's the legal consequences of our disobedience to God and His Word? Eternal death. Eternal separation from where the psalmist says there is pleasure and the fullness of joy forever and ever. I can't even begin to fathom, but man, I love that verse. When I'm weak and weary, I just anchor back there. In your presence, there's the fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore. I'm like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, the Lord just, uh, I, I was walking with Pavey, and um, we were walk, taking a walk along the ocean, and she'd like to try to get deeper and deeper down to the water. And what we soon discovered was is that she wasn't strong enough to hold on. And so she, she would have her hand around my, my little finger here, and she would be holding on. But the moment, man, one of those waves would get a little bit stronger, it would, I mean, she would be doing it. I would have to reach and grab her. And, and so what we discovered was is that it, she didn't have the strength to hold on in the midst of the waves and storms of life by herself. But when I took her hand and I held it, when that wave hit, man, I could just brace her and pull her this way or that, or help her stand up steady. Guys, what I want you to know is you cannot endure the storm of God's judgment and wrath as you are. You will stumble and fall, but there is a God who loves you so much that He is willing to hold your hand and to walk into the presence of God with you. Jesus Christ is willing to walk into God's presence with you. With Satan, who says, the revelation says, he is the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brothers and sisters day and night. And Jesus is willing to walk into the presence of God and say, this one's mine. The work on the cross was for all of life's great sin. I won't be strong enough, beloved, in my strength to hold him. But praise God, as John 10 says, that you are in the Son's hand and the Father's hand who is greater than all and no one can snatch you. Hallelujah! What a Savior, church. Praise God that He's holding us. That He's willing to pardon my great guilt. He's willing to pardon your great guilt today. Would you repent and believe upon the name of Jesus Christ? 
Isn't that what Acts 4 says? The church is facing persecution and challenges. And listen to the answer. The answer back is, we can't keep quiet about Jesus' name. Why? Because there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other what, church? There is no other name given under heaven, given to all people by which they must be saved. We cannot keep quiet in Greensburg or in the United States or amongst the nations, no matter how intense the persecution may come, no matter what the call is, the sacrifice or suffer. Church, why? Because there is salvation in no other name. There's only one name that will save you. There's only one name that can rescue you from the judgment of God. And his name is Jesus. Oh, man. That call to pardon, it's real, right? You heard that there in Psalm 25, verse 11. It's interesting. According to our U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, it indicates that the president has this presidential power to pardon. And he can pardon anyone of a federal offense except one, one, one statement except for in the cases of impeachment. Here's what I want to let you know. That when it comes to God's willingness to forgive you, there are no exceptions. This is the best news ever. There are no exceptions. Pornography is not too much. Adultery is not too much. Lying is not too much. Stealing is not too much. Disobedience to your parents is not too much. There is nothing too great. Pardon our sin, O Lord, for your name's sake. Even though it's great, there is a God who has no exceptions for whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life. Hallelujah, man. But listen to this further definition about the presidential pardon. Listen to this statement. A pardon is not a sign of vindication. And it does not establish innocence. In other words, the president can pardon you, but that does not mean you're innocent. Think about that. The president can pardon you, right? And, and the legal consequences of being in jail or whatever it laid before you is now taken away. But the reality is the, the Constitution, right, notes the fact that, listen, it does not mean that you are necessarily innocent. Guys, I want you to know that when God forgives you because of the work of Jesus Christ, he has paid your guilty punishment on the cross. And you, I'm telling you this truth from Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no what, church? Condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. I I think, guys, it has to remind us that we can today rest in the fact that God's desire and motivation for saving you and keeping you saved ultimately rests in His own glory. Isn't that the greatest news ever? That it didn't depend upon how good you were prior to coming to Christ. It's not dependent upon how good you can be today, right now in Christ, and, and however many days you have may have forward before your life is finished. And let none of us think that that won't happen to us. As we look upon this church, as we see people we love, here one Sunday and gone the next. Let none of us think that that won't happen to us. But guys, salvation rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God saves you for His own glory and His own praise, not because you are worthy or good enough. And let that just take off that burden that's on you. Let that just feel like, man, that is the healing balm that I needed. That is the salve that will soothe 
the cares and the burdens and the guilt and the shame that I feel like because I'm never, ever good enough. Well, he'd be glad he picked me for his team. That was something as a little brother always wrestled with. Right? It was always the last kid standing there, and they're like, well, Scott or Adam, you got your little brother. And I'd run out, and the whole time they'd be like, man, come on. And I always wondered, was I ever good enough to be out there when I let them down? Was I, because everybody knew when I came up, they were going to strike me out. When I dribbled in, somebody was going to swap my stuff. When I caught the ball, I was probably going to drop it because I didn't want somebody tackling me. They were big. Guys, I want you to know that you can finally come to a team and to a Savior that it's not dependent upon your performance. It's dependent upon His. That's the name. I'm, I'm just trying everything i got today just to point you to Him. So guys, we aren't sacrificing for God to accept us. We sacrifice today because we have been eternally accepted in Christ. We aren't going to suffer today because somehow that will prove our worthiness before God. We are going to suffer because He already suffered perfectly for us and we are just following our Savior's footsteps. Might I leave you today with some encouragement written almost 100 years ago in 1922 by Helen Limmel. I think you'll remember these words. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness, you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Through death into life everlasting, He passed and we follow Him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, He promised. Believe Him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, His perfect salvation to tell. Say it with me, church. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Look to the name of Jesus, church. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for this July 4th day that I would have the opportunity to preach this message that has been churning in my spirit for months. Thank You, God, what a gift it has been to share this hope with this flock that I love so much. Oh God, I pray it's an encouragement to them. At the same time, Lord, I know it is a challenge and it will be costly. I pray now you'll strengthen this church body, Lord, to be faithful, to pray and to seek your face, to say, God, how might you use me to take your name amongst the nations? Strengthen us, Lord. Give us faith. Strengthen us with more grace. And let us go joyfully and zealfully declaring that salvation is found in no other name. It is the only the name of Jesus Christ we bow. And we pray to you now in his name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.